So if you do the work, if you do the research and you really feel good about it and you have hard facts in front of you and not just, hmm, I think trust is a good way to go. Um, and you're really kind of building it on solid research, you can go live with the changes without testing them. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mindset, the strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full-stack life. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Sagi Schraber. I'm a designer and entrepreneur and the host of this show. My guest today is a customer-centric conversion optimization expert. I said that right. Um, but no, what does it all mean? It basically means that she helps other entrepreneurs to understand their audience better, fix leaks in their funnels, and increase conversions with an approach which is based on emotional targeting. Right? So this was one of the most actionable interviews I ever hosted. A jam-packed of value in such a short amount of time. In this interview, my guest has given uh, basically super practical strategies that we can all take and apply to our businesses today. I hope you will value from this as much as I did because I really like learned so much and I took so many notes. You'll find everything in the show notes. Ladies and gents, it's my pleasure to present to you the amazing conversion optimizer, Talia Wolf. Let's get my phone root left. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mindful and Rootless show and podcast. Today, I have Talia Wolf on the show. Talia, what's up? Hi, what's up? It's, it's awesome to have you here. Also, a fellow entrepreneur from Israel. And I, I actually, though, like, have been following you for a while. And I mean, to those of you who don't know, like, Talia is a conversion optimization specialist. She is not only that, but she's also like an entrepreneur like us, like the, the passive, smart passive income entrepreneur, meaning like she has online courses and she is building her personal brand and she is giving public speaking gigs all across the world on stages in all kinds of like very high end conferences for other entrepreneurs and marketers. So Talia, I'm very honored to have you here on the show. Thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. I feel like I should have you, every time I get on a stage, like when there's like 2,000, 3,000 people, I just call you out so you can give, like, here's Talia, and she <laughs> does all these amazing things. It's so much better than saying, hi, my name's Talia, and this is what I do. Uh-huh. Uh, just so you know, by the way, like I, I noticed that some conferences they they really are good at um, taking like presenting their speakers, right? And like I was at the Tenix conference, it was mind blowing, like how they present their speakers. Like every speaker gets a rap song to go on stage, and they they dance for one full minute before they they start the talk. To anybody who don't know and is first now on the show, so listen up. This is my formula. This is a show where I bring on amazing entrepreneurs to uh, share knowledge with us here in the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group. So yeah, um, for anybody who doesn't know you, can you give a bit of background about um, what you do and, and how you came to doing what you do? Sure. Um, so hi, I'm Talia. Um, I started out with marketing many years ago, doing social media campaigns and stuff like that. And a lot of kind of Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube, I'm really focusing on growing your social presence and helping all sorts of companies gain more likes. And essentially, one of the interesting things was that I really wasn't that into all the social media thing. Like I wasn't interested in getting all those likes and all these, I don't know, like comments and stuff. I was more interested in the money itself. And what was really interesting is that we didn't see that. So I was asking clients and I was asking people, so are you seeing any leads? Are you seeing any sales? Nothing. No one was saying anything. They're like, oh, we don't even have Google Analytics set up. Or if they did have Google Analytics set up, there was nothing really going on. So it was really hard for me to kind of just accept the fact that that was what was going on. No one knew what results they were seeing other than, oh, we're getting a ton of likes and we're getting a ton of groupies in our group. And I started doing things without really knowing what I was doing. I essentially took ads that I was running on Facebook and started optimizing them. On my own, not really knowing that I was optimizing them. I was just changing stuff. Um, so I was changing the call to, act, to action button and I was changing the text and I was changing all sorts of things. Um, and I suddenly learned that that was actually something called conversion optimization. <laughs> so um, I was also doing this on landing pages and stuff like that. So it was really interesting to see. 
how suddenly all these things I was doing were making a change. And it really was really cool just to see this whole transformation and getting all these interesting results. And I quickly decided that I just didn't want to do this anymore. And I basically started an agency with two friends of mine, which you know, Siggy, and we became one of the first conversion optimization agencies in the world. So we were helping businesses all over the world optimize their websites, their landing pages, their email campaigns. And it was fantastic like I enjoyed it so much because I could finally see the results of the things that I was doing like I could see how the different changes I was making on pages was were actually causing increases in conversions and results it was phenomenal it was a lot of fun and one of the things that I did actually notice though is that I wasn't getting the results that I wanted all the time and slowly things kept declining so I definitely wanted to build a new process, something that would help me continue, continuously kind of scale up the results. And to do that, I built a process called emotional targeting, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot yeah. later on, mm-hmm. uh, but all about the psychology of people and why they buy. And that is what helped me 10 times my clients' conversions. It's when I started seeing these amazing results. I also started speaking all over the world, which was phenomenal, a lot of fun at Google and PayPal and uh, MozCon and CTA Conf, um, Unbounders Conference, and so many others, which was amazing. And doing podcasts and webinars and courses. Then we sold the agency and I basically started my own consultancy business. So now I'm solo. So we had like 30 employees at the agency and now today I run my own agent, my own consultancy business, just me. I have a couple of people that I work with, a project manager, an analyst, a copywriter, designer, but they're all all over the world and I kind of manage them for my client projects and for all the courses that I run. Nice. And uh, by the way, how did you find the people that, like how do you find your team right now? Um, well, I got them out of recommendations. A lot of things changed through time. So some were recommendations. Some people I've been working with for many years. Um, I even found one person over at work and I've kept him really close because he's <laughs> just like been a really good catch. But, you know, yeah. those don't always happen. So in terms of like the, the, the team, you said like you had a few that you already know, like, you know, Upwork and uh, one on Upwork. Like Upwork is definitely something that like... I love since I, I found out about it. Like I, I have a few great hires from there, like team members. Um, and by the way, anybody who want to know about Upwork and how I got my, um, I did a case study of how I found how I found my um, video editor, uh, who was amazing. Anton, he's also in this group, like on, on Upwork. Now, um, uh, Talia, in terms of like you, you talked about like emotional targeting and um, like basically like emotional mapping. So. I don't know if you mentioned emotional, emotional mapping, but it's kind of, like, it makes sense. Like it all, go, it all goes together. Like, and I've been to your talk at this, um, at the conference of UX Salam, uh, not a mm. long time ago. And I really enjoyed the talk and, you know, it's like, I, I know it's, it's your, like, it's the talk that you usually, uh, it's your, like, um, it's like your keynote, like the, the thing that you, um, your master talk, you know, the thing that you put together. Um, and it comes from so much years of experience doing that. And it connects to what I've done as a UX designer, you know, finding out about the, the you know, what, what is the really the needs of the customer, but not only the needs, but also like the emotional side. Um, can you talk about how you got to doing that? How do you get to the emotional side? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll start, I'll take a step back and I'll explain that my biggest thing was, as I was saying before, I wasn't, I was getting results at the beginning of the tasks that I was doing, but then later on when I tried to get more results, I wouldn't get where I wanted to get. And I noticed that the reason this was happening was because most of my A-B tests were focused on testing different elements on the page. So I would be testing like a call to action button or a headline or an image, for example. And that's, that's cool, but it's not meaningful. So it's not anything that I can say, Hey, wow, I've learned that the red button converts most. So now I'm going to change all the buttons on my website to red. Like that's not really something I can do. And it helped when I understood that conversion optimization, that optimizing something isn't about just changing elements on the page. It's about solving people's problems. So if I could identify what the pains are of the people who are coming to the website. So if say we're talking about someone's website or a landing page, if I could identify what their biggest pain is, 
what their concern is and what their emotional triggers are, then I could run meaningful tests. And what that means is essentially everything we buy in life has an emotional reason to it. So we buy on emotion. We later explain with ration, rationale, and I know that everyone loves to think that they're rational, but you're not. Um, so just accept it. We're all emotional. Yeah. Um, and when you understand what motivates people, what are the emotional drivers that drive people to buy from you, it's, it makes the whole experience so much easier because when you understand that, it's easier for you to write copy, to choose images, to choose the, um, I don't know, the testimonial that you're going to use, the call to action. Everything just suddenly comes alive and it's so much easier. So I built this process in order to identify the emotional triggers. And, and I'll give you an example. So many times, one of the first questions that I'll ask a client or one of my students is why do people buy from you? And they would say, we have amazing features or we have this amazing price or we, you know, we have the best shipping or whatever it is. Like it's always about themselves. But when you dig deeper, you understand that that's not why people buy. People don't buy products. They buy better versions of themselves. Right. So if you're selling insurance, you're not really selling an insurance policy. You're, sh- you're, you're basically selling peace of mind, right? Right. For yeah. someone. Or if you're selling clothes, you're not really selling clothes. You're selling self-esteem. So that's like the additional layer of what you're actually selling. What do people right. feel right now? And what would they love to feel after finding a solution? So once I identify that, once I find those raw emotions, and by the way, Sagi, there's a few of them. There's always like four or five different emotional triggers all together. Uh Once I find them, then I'm able to optimize a page, any page with all the, the, you know, color psychology and cognitive biases and headlines and everything that we need. So that's kind of the basis of it. Yeah, and, and I love it just because like we don't know each other so much, but for as long as I remember myself, like I, and in one point of my career, like I was also like, you know, I'm come from UX design. And in some point, like I, I started understanding, you know, fuck it. It's not about really like a design thing. It's not about like if it looks good. It's about how it makes people feel. And it's about what those people want to feel. So basically, it, it's exactly the same way. And in my, uh, in my design course, online design course, I also have a video where I'm talking just about that when you walk into a store and you want to buy clothes. So exactly what you said. Exactly. Like, so I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, like in using emotional triggers and it all starts connecting in my mind. Like in the past year, it has connected so much. And also in the, in the, in the recent month, I just finished the book called Pitch, Pitch Anything by Oren Klaus. Mm. Have you read it? Yeah. Right. It's also the same. He's like emotional triggers, man, like go for the crock brain. So how can we actually go and, and find out what this, you know, emotional trigger is for our product? Okay. So this is like the thing that I love to teach the most. And I guess it starts by understanding something very important that our customers are more than a device. They're more than a browser, a geographical location, or a gender. So most people, if I ask you right now, hey, Sigi, who is your customer? Most people would say, oh, they're 34, between 34 to 42, male, they live in Georgia. You know, like they have this kind of, they, maybe they use a mobile phone or they have this idea of what their job is. But that's about it. And the first step is understanding that our customers are more than that. They're more than just pieces of data. They're people. Every person behind the screen who comes to your website is there because they have a problem that needs solving. So one of the first things that you need to do is get to know that person behind the screen. Now, I know that some of you might say, hey, I have thousands or tens of thousands or millions of potential customers. I'm not going to get to know each and every one of them. You You don't have to. But you do have to get to know some of them. And it's actually one of the best, best, best tools old school, you don't need anything but a phone, okay? Talk to your customers, customer interviews. I do them a lot, Um, 10, 15 minutes, I'll talk to a client or customer on the phone just to hear their voice. 
okay, just to hear what they have to say. And, and here's a really cool thing. So I don't know about you, but I have to write a lot of copy. Even if I do have a copywriter, I write a ton of copy right. Right. for landing pages, for emails, for ads. Yeah. Um, you're not yeah. always going to hire a copywriter. Yeah. Yeah. So many times you'll sit in a room and you're like, what should I write? You know, you're like sitting there hoping that words are going to kind of suddenly appear in your brain. So talking to customers and I'll get, I'll tell you about the other tool in a minute that you can use. When you talk to customers, you never ever have to do that again, ever. Because what you do is you record the call, you ask them a few questions and I'll give you a few ideas soon of what you can ask them. And you use that in your copy. Not just as testimonials. It's not just, hey, quotation, this person said I'm amazing. It's not that. It's when someone describes their pain to you, you're like, oh, bingo. That's what I need to write. Remember, we know that you feel X, Y, and Z. Or we too have been there. But this is what you're experiencing right now. This is where we can take you. So talking to people, as old school as it sounds, is the number one tool to getting to know the emotions. Now, of course, there's many other tools that we can use. For example, online surveys on your website as a small pop-up. I love to use Hotjar. It's my favorite tool. Hotjar, yeah. Um, It's expensive though, right? Like they just even up the prices or something like that. It's $29 per month, if I'm not mistaken. But you can also start with the free um, with the free one, no, which it's like is... It's, it's just a trial and it gives you only mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it's very small. Yeah. I think it gives you... Uh, well, for the heat maps, it gives you about 2,000 views. But I haven't seen their new pricing, so I might be mistaken. I've been using Hotjar okay. for about five years now. Nice. Um, okay. So I haven't, cool. I haven't yeah. really... I should um, use Hotjar. I'm just, I'm just excusing myself out of you. <laughs> I just need, I need to use them. Like I, I've been on the trial for a couple of times, also in similar web, and also now like for my landing page, and I haven't used Hotjar yet. So yeah, I'm, I need to totally use Hotjar. All right, cool. So anyway, so we were talking about the tools, yes, right? Yeah. Okay. So I use he, um, Hotjar for a couple of things. Um, I use it for an entire researching phase. Um, I use it for heat maps which heat maps, for those of you who haven't tried them before, what they do is they show you where people are scrolling, so how far they scroll on your page, and they show you where people are clicking on the page, so it's mega relevant. If you wanna know what people are doing on your website or on your page, you definitely wanna use a heat map, and there's many tools that you can use. Um, I use Hotjar because it combines everything together, so they have a heat map and customer surveys. Now, I use customer surveys um, in two ways. I'll either set it up to new visitors who have never been to the website before, or I'll set it up for customers who are logged in and basically ask them questions. But I ask specific questions, and I actually ask very short questions that aren't about, why did you come to this website today? That's not what I ask. Um, Stay away from those questions. (laughs) They're definitely more... um, in depth. So one of my favorite questions that I love to ask is what was happening in your life that made you search for this? Just like what happened two minutes ago? What was happening in your life that you landed on this page? And when you think about it, it's a really cool question because it's not, Hey, why did you come here today to find an iPhone? No. Like if you, if you say, ask them what was happening in your life, Oh, I just cracked my phone and I just bought it and I'm tired of looking for new ones and I think I'm just going to buy a new one or whatever. Like, there's the deeper meaning behind it. So you can ask deeper questions. And for me, that's what I use customer surveys for. I use them to better understand who the person is. And when I see someone answer a bit more and kind of elaborate, then I'll shoot out an email to them and say, hey, mind jumping on a call with me for 10, 15 minutes? And that always works. Um, so those are two tools. There's many more, but those are the first two tools that you can start with identifying the emotions. And by the way, like, so two questions based on that. One, you said Hotjar has a survey, has a live survey feature? Awesome. Yes. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, that. they have polls, surveys, heat maps, and screen recordings, all in one tool. So it's very helpful. Yeah, I know the screen recordings and the heat maps. I didn't remember the survey and the polls. Nice. Yeah. 
And the second question is this, like you said, you have a few favorite questions. One of them is what's happening in your life that made you search for this? Well, like, is there any more or are you just trying to get people on the call based on that question and then ask them more on the call? Um, I have a, a couple of questions that I love to ask for customers specifically, not for new visitors. One of my favorite questions is if we were to take the product away from you tomorrow or the service, what would you miss the most? So this is a very in-depth question because it's not, hey, can you please rate our features from one to 10? Or what is our favorite feature? Or why do you love being with us? This is tomorrow, I'm gonna come to your house and I'm gonna take out the, I don't know, yeah. the microphone. What's the one thing you're gonna miss the most? I guarantee you, no one's gonna say the, I don't know, the, the whatever it's made from or the guarantee that I have for five more years. It's going to be something simple. It's going to be like how it saves them time or how it makes their dog shut up or how it makes, it helps them, you know, think or whatever or focus. It's going to be the emotional thing. So you always want to strive to ask more in-depth questions than just the straightforward ones. Um, yeah. By the way, another one, another cool question is to ask, who is your role model? The second question is, if you were a superhero, what would you be? Those are two different things. And <laughs> this, this, it's actually quite interesting because who's your role model will give you a very good idea of their values. Who do they care about? What, what guides them? Um, one of my students is an e um, runs an e-commerce site and he asked that question. And I think 90 something percent of the people said it was one of their parents. It was their father or their mother. And it was a very cool way to see what the values are of his customers and be able to right. portray them on his website. On the website. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And the <laughs> Yeah, and the one with the superhero is just to better understand their better version of themselves. So like if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And that is the, the better version. Awesome. Um, first of all, the thing that you said, like what was happening in your life that made you search for this, there's actually um, a whole field in user experience called job, uh, it's called jobs to be done. You know that, right? <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. I, I just, and you know, the, the funny thing is not enough people in the UX industry um, are talking about it, especially in Israel. And no one. like, I'm teaching this to my students in the course, in my design course here in Israel. So it's like, and it, it makes total sense. Like, I mean, you can know who your person is, who your persona is, but that won't help you. You need to understand what the situation they're at and then, and then understand the steps they take and, and the emotions behind that. So I think everything you say here makes sense. And these are pretty awesome questions to ask. So it's really nice. And so we have like, questions for visitors we have questions for for customers what are some of the questions that you are asked like let's say you get a new visitor and you ask them you know what was happening you let them to search for this and then they get on the call what question do you, do you ask them well what i love to ask visitors is just to try and get to know them better so what do they do on their daily life how many kids do they have are they even married do they have kids um, you know, what do they do? Where do they work? Where would they love to go on holiday? Those are kind of like the, the kind of storytelling questions. And they really do help when you go ahead and start writing the story of your customer, the one reader. And the other things that I love to ask is, hey, so what have you been doing so far to solve the problem? So this pain didn't just suddenly, for most people, it doesn't just suddenly appear. Right. So what have you been doing till today, till this very minute to solve that problem? Now, some people will say, oh, we've been using this product or that product, but you'll be very surprised to hear about people who've never tried any product or any of your competitors that you're so worried about. And they're actually doing completely different things and trying different things. And why I love to ask this question is because then I can go on a website and say, you've tried doing this. You've tried doing that. Yeah. We know the pain. This is what you're feeling. So everything that you ask, you can then portray on the homepage. Then also, or landing page or whatever page you're, you're optimizing. Um, other questions that I love to ask is, hey, I mean, what's stopping you? What stopped you? Why didn't you convert if it didn't convert? So why didn't you take the next step? What are you worried about? This is actually a really important question, understanding 
what is holding people back because when you understand that you can then find very good testimonials so most websites mm. think that testimonials are there to just say hey this company is amazing it's not for that um testimonials are here and are, are on your website in order to basically solve specific roadblocks. So instead of you saying, oh, I'm completely trustworthy, you should trust me, you can get someone to say that. So your goal is to identify the main obstacles that your customers have and then use your testimonials to counter block them. So before that even comes up as a problem, you have that on your website. So can you, just from the, like the past three minutes that I've been rambling on, I've asked three questions and I've already given you Headline, bullet points, a story, and testimonials from talking to a client in 10 minutes. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And I, I think it's, and that's like talking to a complete stranger, right? Like, and it's, it's very easy. And that's you know, only with one tool on your website, Hotjar. So you love to get feedback from users. You use Hotjar for that. Um, that's your main tool right now, uh, like that you mentioned, right? At least for this. And with customer surveys on Hotjar, you get visitors, you ask them one main question. What was happening in your life that made you search for this? Based on their answer, if you see there's like they're, they're, they're free to share, you ask them, hey, can we get on a, on a phone call together? And they usually say yes. Once they do, you ask them, you, you ask them questions to get to know them personally. And you basically ask what's going on in their lives. How many kids do you have? What's your um, background like? Where do you work? What's your life like? Then um, you ask, you know, what have they been trying to solve that, haven't, that they haven't succeeded with? Um, basically, what are they be trying to solve the problem with so far and haven't had success with? And then also, what's holding you back from solving your pain? And that gives you basically the, the understanding of, uh, you know, what you need to counter in the testimonials as well, right? Yes. Okay. And I mean, I've only given you like three or four different questions. I have a list of like 60 questions that I share with my students. It's just so long that you can yeah. segment according to the people. So it's not always the same ones, but those are my favorite ones that I love to, that I love to use. Cool. Awesome. No, that's amazing. And also uh, one question for customers that you mentioned for already existing customers. What, we, what if we were to take this product or service away from you tomorrow, what would you miss the most? And two other questions, who is your role model? And that's a question to ask, you know, what's their values and what guides them so you can target them better. And also, if you were a superhero, who would you be? And that's a question to understand their better versions of themselves. So, you know, what to also promise them and what to try to give them in, in their product. So amazing so far. Mind blowing. <laughs> Thank you. And, and now, like, let's go back for a second to the methodology of emotional um, triggers and, and finding those emotional triggers. I know you had, you have a, a set of like steps like one two three like you have the steps with with this with these documents right with these uh sheets that you do so how yeah can you can you explain about that yeah i mean i have dozens of templates and worksheets <laughs> that i've uh, created basically I mapped out the whole thing before i even knew that i was creating a course i kind of built a course so it was it was really weird because I, when i went to nice. build my course i was like oh i have all these worksheets and templates nice. and everything to just give I'm, I work with templates and worksheets because I like it to be very simple and easy to approach. And there, there are many different ways, but as I was saying, just to break it down, the emotional targeting methodology has three parts to it. The first part is to understand the emotional triggers. That's what we're talking about right now and today. The second part is basically applying everything that we've learned about these emotions in our design and copy. And the third part is testing it. I just want to make sure that everyone knows what we're talking about right now. And I'm going to go back to identifying the emotions of our customers. So I use various different methods for that. One of them was, we said was surveys, uh, customer interviews. There's all sorts of different hacks that we can talk about later that you can also do, but there's a few things that you need to know in order to do it correctly. So uh, basically, the first step that I do is I identify the stage of awareness. This is part of this template that I have where you identify the stage of awareness of the customer. Okay. And what that means is that not every person that comes to your website is the same person. So I might be in a very different place in my customer journey than you are. 
You might be at the beginning, I might be in the middle, someone else might be just towards the end. And there are five stages of awareness. Mm -hmm. And I can quickly walk you through them if you'd like. Okay. Cool. So the first stage of awareness is someone who is unaware. So they are completely unaware that they have a pain, they have a problem in their life. This happens a lot to startups when they come up with this new cool idea that they want to sell to people, but no one actually knows they need that idea. Yeah. That's, where, that's where their customers usually are, the unaware uh, people. Yeah. Then you have the pain aware people, that's stage number two. People who are aware they have a pain, they have a problem in their life, but then they don't know that they could actually solve it. It just exists in their life. So for example, if you work in a big company and you've got people all over the world you need to communicate with, maybe you have a problem communicating with these people and maybe not everyone is on the same page and things keep falling between the cracks and stuff. So you're pain aware, you're annoyed, but you're not actually doing anything about it because that's what it's like working with remote people. Third stage is solution aware. Solution aware people are people who finally understand that there might actually be a solution for them. So, oh wait, there's solutions for communicating with people all over the world? Cool, let's search for that. So then solution aware people are people that go on Google and they start typing stuff and looking for things and reading blogs and trying to figure out like, What's the best way? Is it something that I can do myself? Should I build my own product? Is there like a way I can run the meeting better? Or should I actually, you know, purchase a tool? What actually works? Then there's product aware. Product aware people, that's the fourth stage, are people that are aware of you. They know you exist. They know what you have to offer. But they're not entirely convinced you're the right person for them. Now, listen to this carefully. The fourth stage is the first time in the entire stages that you actually talk about yourself. First time. Okay. All this time beforehand, stage when you're unaware, pain aware and solution aware, you only talk about the customer. You only talk about their pain and what they're experiencing and how they can solve their pain and how there are amazing solutions for them. Only when they get to product aware and they actually know you and they get to your pricing page or to something that isn't your blog, right? Yeah. That's when you say, I have the solution for you, man. I'm here. Woo. <laughs> and even then you're not talking about, look at me. I have the best features. It's not that it's, we have the best solution for your problem. If you use this product or right. if you hire us, we can make you that better version of yourself. Right. And then the fifth stage is most aware. Most aware people are people that are just ready for the buy button. So you just give them that big call to action button and they're done, right? Yeah. Now the cool thing about stages of awareness is that the moment you identify where your customers are, your prospects are in that journey, all you have to do is move them from one stage to the next. That's it. You move people from unaware to aware, from aware to solution aware slowly but surely you can do this on one page if you have like a course sales page my um my sales page for the course starts with unaware and most people completely over to most aware ready to enroll in my course yeah. but you could also do that with a trip campaign you could start with a landing page where people are completely unaware or if they're on the landing page, they're probably solution aware. They're looking for something. You get them to sign up to your email and then slowly through an email marketing campaign, you get them to most aware. So it doesn't have to be on one page, right. but that's, that's the first thing you want to do. So the first step in identifying the emotions of your customers is first identifying where they are in those stages of right. the buying process. Then you move on to doing customer surveys, then you, moving, you move on to doing interviews, and you also want to do something called competitor research. Now, competitor research is one of my favorite things because, <laughs> now, just to be clear, competitor research does not mean go and copy from your competitors. That's a big no. Like, don't do that. As my friend Pep Lyer once said, Copying from your competitors is basically the blind leading the blind. No one knows what the heck they're doing. They're just copying each other. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you, you know, the Siggy, when you look at like one brand or you look at this industry and everyone's got the same website, but like with a different logo. Yeah. 
that's that's the blame in the blame. So I'm not talking about copying your competitors. What I want you to do is to go onto their websites, look at their reviews that they're getting, at the testimonials that they're getting, and see what people are saying. Now, this doesn't actually only have to be for B2C. Even B2B can work. You can go onto websites that rate different companies and your competitors Mm -hmm. and see what people are complaining about. What's pissing them off? What's annoying them? What don't they have? What are they missing? Or what made their day? What is so amazing about this competitor? And the reason this matters is because these are people that should be buying on your website. These are people that should be buying from you. So you want to find these in order to, again, identify those emotional triggers. Now, awesome. You said, okay, we have to, we have to identify the stage of awareness, but let, but Hey, you know, like for instance, um, well, you have a few ways of bringing traffic. You can have Facebook ads or whatever, right? We can have like SEO or, or Google ads. Um, we can have like just, I don't know, uh, JV webinars and stuff like that. But basically like the, the kind of people that are coming in, I mean, we can't show them different pages. We have to show them probably the same landing page. And even if we know that we're bringing different people in, in a way, I mean, we're, we have, like most of us have multiple funnels, multiple places that traffic comes from, and then we don't have enough time to create a couple landing pages. Like, you know, we, as entrepreneurs, how do you handle that? Okay, so actually there's, there's a really easy um, way around this because, so let's talk about Facebook ads, right? Facebook ads, is ads targeting people who are either unaware or pain aware. So I'm walking around unaware that I have an issue and suddenly this ad on Facebook goes, you have this problem. Like, whoa, you're so right. Or I'm I'm pain aware, but I didn't know there was a solution. Facebook ad appears there. Wow, cool. When I click on that ad, I'm solution aware. Immediately, okay? That's actively someone saying, oh, I have a pain that needs solving and there's a solution for it. Cool. Let me click on that ad. Yeah. So you already, already know that the person that clicked on that ad is solution aware. And no matter where they land on that landing page, the people that are coming from your Facebook ads are most probably solution aware yeah. or pain aware. And they're going to wait for you to kind of map it all out for them on the page. Yeah. Now there's also organic traffic, not only pay traffic. And the cool thing about organic traffic is you can do something really cute. And that is go to Google search console and see what keywords people are using to get to your website. So if people are searching for your brand, for your specific name or your brand, they're most likely product aware because they know of you. But what you're looking for is the people that are looking for the actual pain, that are Googling specific pains and then they get to your website. So those are people who are solution aware. Then you go and you look at the landing pages. Where are they landing? Are they landing on blog posts? Are they landing on your landing page? You don't have to segment every single part of your funnel, but by looking at those keywords, by looking at those pages that people are landing on, it's easy to identify and see where people are generally at. And it doesn't, you don't have to create tens of thousands of landing pages at all. It's just, understanding that the people that are coming from Facebook ads are probably solution aware. So I should write content from solution aware to product aware or from pain aware to solution aware to product aware. And people that are on my website that are arriving to my pricing page, for example, are generally most aware or product aware. So you can tell by the different pages that people are, uh, are kind of landing on and you don't have to go into the specific little person, one person that's arriving on each page. Just look at it generally to get a better understanding of where people are. I got it. All right. Got it. So like, can I give you an example for, you know what, let's answer some questions and then we'll go into a specific example. All right. All right. So one thing that I can see, I wonder if I couldn't just get an open source version of embedded tracking and save yourself some money. So just to give you guys, um, there's a few really cheap tools out there. You don't have to go for hot jar. That's just me because this is my business and I take my business very seriously. Um, But you can use Lucky Orange is a very cool product. You can use Crazy Egg 
which is a very cool product, um, and Clicktail. But Clicktail is for enterprises, so I wouldn't really go there. But Lucky Orange and Crazy Egg are fantastic tools that you can start with and weren't that expensive. Okay, and also, cool. um, Google Optimize now has um, that too. Yes. Really? No way. Yeah. Hmm. And it's free, Google Optimize. Yes, no? if you're running A-B tests though. So you can't just like randomly put a heat map on a page. You have to run a test and then activate it. Okay, I got it. But wow, well, okay, um, I didn't know this. So yeah, thank you for giving us this, these alternatives. I'll also link to them. But yeah, like in terms of tools, by the way, I have this thing that it comes from the design world, but you know, a lot of people are asking me also about design tools and stuff. And I'm like, hey, like at the beginning stage, I consider like I'm going back to musicians, right? You're just a starting musician. You're just like learning how, you know, get whatever guitar you can, right? Let's go to the store, get a guitar for like, you know, 20 bucks. Who cares? Like get something, start learning how to play. Later on, when you become a pro, you probably get a better guitar up until the stage where you're a rock star and you really will get that, you know, uh, a couple million dollar guitar, you know, that is really, really, really good. And also, you know, uh, comes from some, you know, whatever source factory, handmade, whatever. The same goes with tools. Like we as pros, like at the beginning, we need to use whatever we can. And, you know, uh, we need to snatch whatever we can and, and start working with it. But once we're pro, we should really consider our tools. I think that, you know, whatever tools will get us to, to do our work the, in the best possible way would just make us win in the market and therefore earn more money so we can pay for those tools. So... The, the way we need to think about it is expansion, not contraction. You know, that, that's one thing. So just find, yeah. finding the best tools as pros. So how do you suggest to trigger affiliate emotions in order to, to promote my offers instead of other um, high quality offers? All right, just wanted to take a short break here. Um, if you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions. So if you haven't already, be sure to search and join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook. I promise you, you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs. So, all right, back to the episode. Yeah, um... It's a good question. And I think when it comes to affiliates, I mean, the first place that we go to is the money mindset, right? Affiliates are in there for the money. So I'm not going to say, hey, you should just increase the uh, percentage that you're giving them. I actually think that it's more than that. I think there's a lot into affiliates in terms of gamification. So some of the biggest um, launches that I've seen. And even when I work with, with affiliates, one of the best things that works for them is the gamification of seeing like, who's in the leaderboard, like who's leading, who's bringing in the most sales, because at the end of the day, they're very competitive too. So I think it's all about identifying what their specific emotions are. There's no like specific emotions just for affiliates in the world. Obviously it changes and depends on your product too, what other products are promoting. And I think, I guess with them, I would think about how much time you can save them. So for me, it's always about giving them as much information as possible, preparing all the information and all the documents and everything they need for them to just like click play and go ahead and not need to worry about it. I think the more you do the work for people and you show these people that you've done the work for them and all the legwork and all they have to do is just hit send, the more they're going to want to work with you because you're making their life easier. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, it, I think it totally makes sense. Um, in terms of a specific, just, you know, example, right. Real life example. Okay. So I have my uh, Israeli community. It's Pixel Perfect. It's a blog for Israeli designers, digital designers, UI, UX mostly. Um, I have a, an online course there, which I had a very successful launch with, made about uh, 100K Israeli shekels. It's kind of like $28,000 in the first two weeks. And then after that, I had pretty nice months, you know, like it, it's, it, it goes back and forth. But recently I had a kind of like a, a dry period. So, like, <laughs> so now I'm like thinking, okay, how can I get more money out of this course? I know it's a great course, 
the, the, um, the feedback is amazing about this course. Um, and I, it's also a, a great basis for an upsell to my physical course. So like everything is great about the product itself. I know it hits the mark. Now, the, the thing is this, like the course is about uh, design principles kind of in a way. It's like, I, by the way, I also have it in English right now. It's designprinciples.co. But in, in Hebrew, it's called uh, Design Fundamentals, you know, and basically it hits the nerve of, of designers when it comes to their fundamentals about digital design, uh, composition, typography, what to do and not to do when you do mobile design, how to uh, give some nice examples of Silicon Valley designs and uh, actually share how Facebook designed their stuff or Google designed the Google Canada, stuff like that. And um, when I look at the search console, I see people were searching for free fonts, then came to a, we a web page I have for years and Pixel Perfect just covering a lot of free fonts. Like, huh? It's like, this doesn't really connect to, I, I don't see how I can connect people to. And so free fonts is one of the things. And the second thing is, um, is a, a retainer contract that I share my own contract that I do with clients and people download that for free. So those are the two main popular pages on the site. And they come to the webs, they come to those main pages and you want to convert them to the course. To the course, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that's really interesting, in my opinion, is that, um, you know, with my course, I, I, I feel like the product is amazing and I get amazing feedback about it. Cool. Um, but it's always been, for me, a very interesting process to promote it because it, I only open enrollment for a very short period of time. So it opens oh, twice a year. No, it's not evergreen yet. Okay. Um, it op opens twice a year for like a week each time. And uh, the biggest thing is that you see that most people, they buy at a certain time. So, so from the moment they've signed up to my list, to my email list, till the moment they actually purchase. So yes. for me, what I would do if I was you with the font pages at least, um, with, with all the fonts on it, I would just encourage people to sign up to your email list to get tips and ideas um, about design. Because no one who goes to look for free fonts is in the mindset of buying. Then th those people, right. by the way, are unaware. Those unaware. are unaware right. people, right? Yeah. So what you want to do is put them into like this pay-no-air thing. So you want, the, you want them to sign up to an email, to your email list, and maybe mention that, you know, you're going to send these amazing, this amazing content to them. And in your very first email, trigger that pain. There's a really cool... Um, framework you can use. It's called PAS, Pain Agitation Solution. And it's really cool. I use it for almost every email that I write. And basically what it, what it means is you start with the pain you, and you, then you agitate it. So you say, this is what you're experiencing. The agitation is why you care about this pain. And then the solution and how you can solve it. And it's not, hey, you should take my course. It's just the solution is reading this article or the solution is watching this video or using this tool and you slowly move them into that hmm this is interesting this guy knows his things and then oh wow he also offers a course i'm actually interested in that so it's a long it's a long funnel but that's what i would do with people who are unaware does that make sense yeah it makes sense like basically bringing them like first of all saying hey might have that problem because they're not aware right now they're like unaware of the solution so unaware and then you get them to pain aware, knowing they have a problem. Then you're like, hey, I can help you solve it with like this free article. We'll give you some tips on how to solve that so that problem. Then at the end of that article, they get you to product aware. Then you take them to your landing page. And once they're product aware, right? Okay, got it. Bingo. Yeah, makes sense. Yes. Makes sense. All right, that's awesome. And also, by the way, um, with a sales page, when you're selling your course, as I was saying before, so my sales page, it goes from unaware to pain to completely like most aware. So I start with, huh. hey, you're experiencing this pain, not with the question mark, but hey, I'm stating that I know that this is their pain. So it's the same kind of thing for people that arrive on it, but not many people actually arrive on my sales page completely unaware. Most of them come from email marketing, marketing from going through quite a long funnel. So, but yeah, I do definitely believe in long tail funnels okay. when it comes to people who are unaware um, and kind of grooming them. And especially when it comes to in-person courses, like on-demand courses. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it totally makes sense. Like, and also, you know, building these funnels, there's something I, I got to know that it takes time. It takes, yeah. it takes time to build funnels. So everybody here, I don't know, like, what tool are you using? By the way, Talia, what tool are you using, using for email marketing? I use Drip. Oh, Drip? Okay, um, cool. Get Drip. I'm actually yeah. really happy with them. They have really yeah. cool um, automation um, and their support is phenomenal. So, nice. yeah. Have you, have you tried ActiveCampaign or um, ConvertKit? Yes. Yeah. Um, I've tried ConvertKit. They didn't, when I was using them, they didn't have A-B testing comp um, options. So that was oh. like weird. No. Yeah, okay. now, they, now they do. Um, and then I have the ActiveCampaign, ActiveTrail, um, MailChimp, of course. Yeah. Which um, I started with MailChimp, but I moved because their pricing pissed me off. So... Yeah, and also um, the features, it's like it's for beginning, right? Like you, you can begin with MailChimp, it's free up to 2,000 people, so you get a feeling of... You can do quite advanced things with MailChimp, don't get me wrong, you can. It's just that their pricing is, is, is built in a way that for me, for example, I have many different funnels and people belong into very many different groups. So you mm -hmm. could be on very different like, lists. Yeah. And with Drip, they'll just like, oh, one email you pay for one email with MailChimp right. every list. So if they appear five times in five lists, you're going to pay for that person five times. So yes. that yes. for me was like, I'm not staying with MailChimp. Yeah. Because yeah. Of for sure. For sure. Yeah. It makes sense. So yeah, it's because you're the second entrepreneur that tells me they, they moved to, to drip and I haven't explored that option. So it makes sense um, to. Yeah. Also drip by the way is, was bought by lead pages. If you know them, lead pages. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, is an amazing tool for landing pages, which I use yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, not for my not for my sales page for the course, but yes, for like quick landing pages that I put together. So for example, yeah. I have a free email marketing course. So that is just, I quickly put it up in lead pages and then I use Drip to kind of connect it together. It's so easy. Um, yeah. So for me, it was a, a perfect fit. Nice. All right, cool, 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 cool. So... All right. Now wrapping up everything that we just talked about. Um, so we talked about like identifying the stage, identifying the stage of awareness. We talked about like surveys and like kind of and you know getting to getting the mind into the minds of the people that are in your that are visitors or actual customers. Um, we talked about competitor competitive research, uh, which is really also comes uh, in a lot of what you said here. Really, um, you know, I, I relate to it from so many different stuff that I also like learned. You know, like also Russell Brunson was talking about, um, you know, in Expert Secrets. Uh, by the way, anybody who hasn't read it yet, you you read it, right? Expert yeah. Secrets. So like he's talking about a lot of the things that you talked about as well. Um, also like agitating the, the pains and stuff like that. It, may, it, it all makes sense. Um, is there anything else we should talk about before we close up the session that you think we should, we should talk about? I guess just the, the next step, right? So right. once you found those emotions, what do you do with them? Right. right. Um, and that is how do you actually show those emotions on the page? And you can do it with various elements. You can do it with color psychology and you can do it with different um, cognitive biases. So there's all sorts of different biases in our brain that you can use. Um, you can do it with copy and you can do it with images. So I definitely implore you to, once you find those emotions that motivate your customers the most, to then start looking into all these different things of, the different images that can stir people's emotions, the different colors. And don't believe everything you read about color psychology. That's a whole other thing. I have this whole guide to color psychology on my blog just because I get so pissed off about people just saying that blue means trust. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. hint. And start looking into it. Start kind of identifying those things and you'll notice that it's so much easier to, to find the different things and the different elements that you want. And when you find those emotions and you send a brief to a designer, if you're not the designer, okay, make sure to communicate that to the designer. Make sure to communicate that to your copywriter if you're going to actually not be doing the copywriting, right? Yeah. To communicate what emotions people are feeling right now, what they want to feel, what colors you want to use, what images you want to use, everything together and run meaningful A-B tests. Don't just go live run the tests, see the results, and then make a decision according to the results. Awesome. And by the way, what tool do you use to run A-B tests right now? 
So it really depends on my clients um, and my students use various uh, tools. I love Google Optimize. It's one of my go-tos right now because it just so elegantly connects to Google Analytics, obviously. Um, But it depends on your capabilities as a company and what you're looking for. So if you need Uh, an editor. Right. Like we're talking about solopreneurs landing pages for their online courses. Um, Not too much of a budget right now because most of them are in beginning stages. Yeah. I think Google Optimize is a good solution. I'd also try VWO, I guess would be good. And experiment engines are are very good too. And there's also convert.com. Uh, those are kind of more geared towards solopreneurs and small businesses. Con- convert.com? Yes. Okay. And cool. one thing I will say though, is if you have less than 300 conversions a month, okay, <laughs> now, th- yeah, 300 conversions, that means the same conversions, so not accumulated, same 300 signups, 300 downloads. If you have less than that, don't start A-B testing because you're just gonna get frustrated. It's gonna take six months to get to results. So if you do the work, if you do the research and you really feel good about it and you have hard facts in front of you and not just, hmm, I think trust is a good way to go. Um, And you're really kind of building it on solid research. You can go live with the changes without testing them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, totally. It makes sense. And of course, like, you know, A-B testing is like once you already got the first initial part right in a way. Um, So, yeah, totally. Makes sense. Uh, So to wrap this thing up, um, and thank you so much for your time. I know we're over time, but really appreciate it. Um, To wrap this thing up, like a a few questions. One, like, okay, now we got a psyched about like, okay, you know, we want to do this. We want to learn more. We want to have, we want to identify the stage of awareness. We want to learn how to address it. So how can we continue on the conversation with you about this? Anybody for anybody? Oh, cool. So you can find me on my website, which is getuplift.co, that's C-O at the end. And there's a few things that you might find very relevant. The first one is our blog. So there's so many guides in there for everything you can think of. And the other thing is on that website, there's a page full of resources, all the resources that I use. So all the cognitive biases, my color psychology guide, my landing page guide and everything. Um, And if you want to learn more about the course, um, then you can sign up to the waiting list. And I think we're probably going to be reopening enrollment next month, um, either end of September or beginning of October. So okay. you can find out more then. Cool. And I'll, I will make sure to notify everybody. Like, Talia, we'll, we'll make sure to notify everybody here in the group when it's live. Uh, what's the, um, the, the URL for the, for the course? Um, so it's getuplift.co slash emotion sales masterclass awesome thanks so all right talia for the last questions are there any books articles youtube videos or channels that you found super interesting lately and you'd like to recommend so there's my favorite uh blog that i read and which is by copy hackers if you guys don't know copy hackers you have to follow copy hackers uh, copyhackers.com they write everything to do with copywriting. She has amazing resources in there. So that's my favorite one. And then my favorite books, Harry Potter first. <laughs> has to come first. And then all Dan Ariely books are like, Predictively Irrational is like my favorite book. That's like my go-to. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, those are kind of what I, I read a lot about, like the psychology behind stuff. And right. Yeah, I love Dan Ariely, by the way. Dan Ariely is amazing. Um, but how about, how about Nir Ayala? Have you read his books? Yeah, um, Nir Ayala and I have spoken on a few stages together and I've actually read a couple of his, uh, his hooked, his book. Yeah. It's really good, especially if you have a product. I really love it. And I love the whole idea of how you look at the cycle of getting people hooked and making it into a habit. It's really cool. You should definitely read it. Okay. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing, like super valuable talk, like also very practical and also like so much to think about right now and, and kind of like um, look how we can implement that into our own products. So really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you for having yeah. me.
and I guess we'll, we'll be in touch also next month when you open the enrollment to the course. So I'll, I'll notify everybody in the group. So everybody, thank you so much for being here with us. Appreciate your time and I'll see you next week. Bye everybody. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way and also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has a tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook, where I host this show live and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better, and I love connecting with my audience. All right, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let... Anybody, take you off your path, my friend. Keep on, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Copying from your competitors is basically the blind leading the blind. Once you find those emotions that motivate your customers the most, to then start looking into all these different things, the different images that can stir people's emotions, the different colors, 